Hello and welcome back to the Prayer in the Making Lent book club. Uh, today we move on to chapter two and more specifically part one of chapter two. Chapter two is about worship. Part one of chapter two uh, is called Presence and Praise. Uh, I was reflecting on this earlier today and remembering that when I was young I had this yen to have a really dramatic conversion story. Have you ever ever been there? I grew up in a Christian family. I've followed Jesus, as you will know from reading the book, for as long as I can remember, for as long as that's been something I've understood anything about. And uh, and when I got to my teenage years, I did quite a lot of mission stuff, I did quite a lot of kind of telling people about Jesus uh, on the streets and stuff like that. And it was always about your story. You know, you needed to be able to tell your story of conversion in two minutes. And my story of conversion was terribly dull because it just basically went, um, I've always known Jesus. I've always loved Jesus. I've always been a Christian. So how about it then? Uh, and funnily enough, it didn't win too many people over. Um, but I, I think I thought that if it was something more dramatic, it would... Well, two things. I felt like it would be a more powerful thing for other people to hear. But I also think I felt it would be a more powerful thing for me in terms of praise. I wanted to have a story of God rescuing me from something terrible or from some life that was, you know, fast going down the pan. And suddenly I had a dramatic vision of Jesus and everything turned around. And some of that actually came not from the mission, but from my prayer life. Because I would turn to praise and worship and I would say all the right things and I would sing all the right songs. It just, there was just a lack of something. And you know, I am all for the fact that praise and worship are choices that we make. We choose to honour God for who he is and what he does. And we'll come on to more of that in the second half. But I do think that praise is meant to be, a lot of the time, a kind of a burst a feeling from the heart. Do you know what I mean by that? You know, if you, I keep on using human relationships as an example, but they're terribly helpful when it comes to prayer, uh, to look at how we do things with one another and to reflect that back up to how we relate to God. And if you were in a loving relationship with someone and you said, I love you every day, but every time you said it, it was in a kind of a monotone, I love you. I love you. You're, you're great. You are. It, do you know what I mean? That there'd be something lacking. I think your partner uh, might be suggesting you go on kind of romance lessons or something. Because to praise someone, to love someone, to adore someone is to have a mini inner explosion, I think. Is that too dramatic? I hope not. To have a mini inner explosion of feeling about that person, about the wonder of the one that you're loving And so for me, I have looked for ways over the years of helping mini explosions to happen within me when I pray, and particularly when I thank and praise and worship. And I've got a few tips for you. Um, They may or may not be helpful. You know the deal. Do them if they're helpful. Don't if they're not. Um, But for me, it's about catching myself by surprise. Okay, so if I say the same thing all the time or sing the same songs all the time there's a sense in which they lose a bit of meaning for me you know the words are the words are the words and I'm sitting there going yes Lord you are faithful you are good you are kind those are amazing things but the problem is the words get a bit too over familiar so one of the things I do to spring myself mini surprises 
uh, that create little explosions in me is that I often use a different Bible translation when I read the Bible. Um, I talked, uh, oh, whenever that was earlier this week about the Passion Translation. That was the last podcast, wasn't it? The Passion Translation. I've loved. I've loved because it has some surprising words in it. It it trips me up every so often, like that verse that I was quoting the other day about deep calls to deep. You know, the, my deep need calls to the deep kindness of your love. Those words, I've read deep calls to deep a million times, but that sentence tripped me up in a good way, caught me by surprise. And there was a mini explosion in me of, yeah, do you know, you do, it does. That's a thing, that happens, I love it. That's important. So changing language helps. Maybe if you don't want to use a different Bible translation for reading or you don't have access to one, why maybe rewriting stuff. I often find if I take a psalm and then I write my own version of it in my own words, that creates little mini explosions of... So when the psalmist says, uh, um, the Lord is good, his love endures forever, how would I say that in my words? Because actually that's an amazing truth. But God is good, the Lord is good, his love endures forever. That becomes a little bit drony in my head. But if I rewrite it in Lindleese, if you like, suddenly it creates a spark of joy in me. So change the language. Second thing I do is I write. Uh, that won't surprise you, those of you who know I'm a writer, but I write to relive things sometimes. You see, I've had loads of experiences in my life, as I'm sure you have, when God has rescued me, God has done good things for me. But the problem with the human brain is that it normalises everything. So something amazing can have happened to me last week, three years ago, 10 years ago, yesterday. But my brain has a way of levelling it out, of making it just another part of my story. Now, that's good because, frankly, we can't live in the exaltation or the sorrow of all of our experiences all the time. We need our brains to level things out. Otherwise, we'd be on constant roller coasters and it would be hard, much as I love a roller coaster. That kind would be arduous to live. So sometimes we need to pick up the threads of the good things the amazing moments, the the rescue missions God has gone on for us, the incredible stuff we've seen. And we need to lift it out again from its flat, normalised place. Now, when I think about good things God's done for me, I think, oh, yeah, I look back to that. Oh, yeah, that was really, oh, yeah, he did that that day. Yeah, that was really cool. When I write it, when I write it again as a story, even, doesn't have to be long, even two, three hundred words or whatever, just so that was happening and then this happened and then, suddenly that happened. It Do you see what I mean? It comes alive again. Uh, if you're not a writer, maybe you're a talker. I tell you what, if you tell somebody something good that has happened to you, it comes alive again, doesn't it? As you're recreating the moment, suddenly that bit of the tapestry comes to life in your head and you're like, whoa, do you know, even as I'm telling you, I'm amazed again at what did God did for me. So even if you're not a writer, maybe you're a talker, that's fine. Um, either way, cause those moments to live again. That helps me in worship. And the third thing, just to finish with, uh, and this is uh, in the book too, is going to thin places, going to places which wake up my soul. There are certain places where I come alive, I feel alive, I feel like I'm connecting with God in a different way, and praise and worship are easier in those places. Everything in me comes alive 
and those mini explosions happen more readily. I would dearly love to know from you what are your thin places? What are the places where you go in order to come alive? Do share them with me on Facebook. Let's have a conversation about this and anything else you do to help yourself praise and worship. And I'll see you again on Saturday.